Hey, good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. Thanks to all of you guys that are joining us online. So as Michelle said, we're wrapping up a series that we've been in for the past few weeks uh, called Amplified. And the whole idea behind it was there's voices that are amplified above the voice of God. And because of that, it's changing the trajectory of our future because we're listening to the wrong voice. The idea through the series was identify the voices and then understand how to hear the voice of God and then make our decisions based upon the voice of God instead of the voice of people and or all of the other voices that we talked about. So this week we're going to talk about the past and the reason that I saved it for the last week is because the past is like personal to my life today. Um, and so it was something that um, I really wanted to end with because it was something that for me was a healing uh, message in it. And so I wanted to bring it to you at the end of this series. So the past we're going to look at, and the past can be different for each person. So I'm going to tell you like the past of how it applies to me because I think there are two different types of past that people are dealing with. I'm dealing with, I liked my past and thought my past was perfect, and I want it back, right? So if you guys don't know, you know, my wife, you know, been married to for 28 years, uh, met her when I was 15 years old, we had dated all through high school, we were best friends, we had just got to the place where, you know, life is good, the kids are getting out of the house, you're not poor anymore, you know, you can actually do something and travel, like you're at the place where, you thought the whole life was set up and then got out of their plans and she died at uh, 49 years old. And I have spent the significant amount of time over the past three months wishing that I could just have it back because I would rather have the past than what I thought was in the future, right? And so that's something that I think not only me, but other people would deal with it in the same way. And or you have the past that you look at and you've made some mistakes and you got some broken pieces and you wish you could forget it, but you can't forget it because it keeps coming up and or people keep bringing it up. You know what I mean? Like there's two types of things that happen. Like you can't forget it. And one of the reasons you can't forget it is because everybody reminds you of it. And when they remind you of it, then it affects your decision-making or the things that you can be able to do in the future. So we're going to look at that. So if you have a broken piece or pieces in your life that are causing or affecting you, uh, the way that you can operate in your future, we're going to go back and look at that. And for anybody that would hear that would say, you know, I mean, this is a message that maybe. Like, I don't have any of those things. Like, I don't have any broken moments or any broken pieces. So I'll, I'll give you some advice in listening to this message then if that's not you. So if you don't have something broken in your past or you're not dealing with any of these things, here would be my suggestion for you, twofold. One of the things that we're going to look at today is, is that our past doesn't define us, so that's a personal thing. And for you that maybe don't have those things, stop defining other people by their past too right, which is what happens. Like a lot of times, people, even though you don't have a past, you look at somebody and because of their past, you're like, you are this because you were this, right? And those people never get an opportunity to be what God's created them to be because you keep reminding them who they were, right? So for all of us that maybe don't have that or didn't have that, be reminded that us helping people work through their past is helping them see who they are in Christ and not who they were in their past. And I would say this, um, and you might not want to hear this part of it, but live long enough and you will have a broken past. Live long enough and there will be some broken pieces in your life. And so I'm hoping, if that's not you today, that you will 
put some tools in your toolbox to be able to navigate that piece whenever you get there. Because the reality is this. When it comes to our past, a lot of time our past holds us there or dictates the decisions of our future. And the, the most important part about that is God's not in the past, he's in the future. And as long as we stick in the past, he can't use us in the future, right? So the main point of today is just to say, God is in the future and wants to do a new thing in your life. And part of the reason that he can't do a new thing is because you're back here, right? And you're back here trying to recreate, redo, put back together, fix what can't be. This is, this is going to be so important throughout this whole message. Don't forget this. It can't be fixed. I don't care what anybody tells you. You can't put the pieces back together and it will never be the same right? And so in that, I hope that we will realize that part of navigating this today when it comes to the past is because God's in the future and he wants to do a new thing in your life. And so I hope you're here today, and if you're struggling with your past or you're struggling with the brokenness and it's keeping you from experience of future, just so you can hear this from scripture and personally from God, he wants to do a new thing in your life, right? And today, I hope that you will see the new thing that God wants to do in each one of our lives. And I hope you who don't have a broken past can look at somebody and not look at them for what their past was, but look at them in a way that God wants to do a new thing, right? And if we do that and we move into those places, then I think God can do some amazing things. So if you have a, a Bible, you can turn to Isaiah 43. So we're going to be looking at Isaiah 43, and we're going to look at verses 16 through 21. So let me give you a, a little bit of a background. So Isaiah 43, 16 through 21. Isaiah was a prophet. So the prophets in the Old Testament, this is what they did. So you remember how last week we talked about, like, if you want to hear the voice of God, you can listen to him and he'll speak to you. Well, back in the Old Testament was, if you want to hear the voice of God, you get it from a prophet, right? So the prophets are the one who says, God says you should do, and you had a choice, just like today, to listen or not to listen. And so Isaiah, being a prophet, was telling the nation of Israel, so God's people, this is what God has to say. And what he was talking to them is about their past. Because if you followed the nation of Israel, here's what you would always see. Sometimes they listened and sometimes they didn't, but most of the time they would get stuck in their past. And not only stuck in their past, like, in a, in a, in a bad way, like, part of the time they'd get stuck in their past could be like, look at all the great things that God has done, you know, and he's like, well, I want to do a new thing in you, and you're stuck in the past, right? Like, we want to do something new, and all you can think about is this, right? Or they didn't do what God called them to do, and they're being disciplined, you know, and so in the midst of their discipline and how it's affected them, they just keep going and rehashing, like, this is what God's done to me, and this is how he's punishing me, and I'll never be able to be used again, and so they kept getting stuck in those places, and so what we're going to look at today is in Isaiah 43, how Isaiah, through the voice of God, teaches people how to deal with their past. So here's what it says in the beginning of Isaiah 43, starting in verse 16. This is what the Lord says, He who made a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses and the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Verse 18, forget the former things and don't dwell on the past. So this one was a little bit like what I shared with you. You know what they're looking back on? The exodus right? So he's leading him out of Egypt. He parts the sea. The chariots go in. God lets the water fill back in. The armies were extinguished, 
right? And, and God wins. So there, God's saying, I want to I do something in the future with you. Like, I did this great thing, and the nation of Israel will just be like, can it be like that again? Like, can you recreate that? Can you open up the sea and enemies go through? And can you crush them? Can we just go back to that? Because we like that way more than what we're in today. So the nation of Israel was struggling because they were stuck in this idea that they wanted to go back to where they had seen God before. And God's saying, like, I got a whole new thing to do with you. And they couldn't get their mind off of it, right? So here's what he tells them. And this would be the same thing. If you have a past, it's not that you want to go back to it, but it is defining you. Like you had a past and these things are not right and you keep thinking about them. He would say the same thing. It's not about forgetting your past, right? Because anybody that would tell you, oh, someday you'll just forget it. If you've been through brokenness, you ain't forgetting it, right? Like anybody that would tell you that that is ever going to go away, you don't forget those broken pieces in your life. All he's trying to say is, here's the difference. Just don't dwell there. There's a difference, right? It's okay to remember. In fact, I would say a principle of life. If you want to mess up your future, ignore your past, right? Like if you want your future to get completely jacked up, ignore what's happened in your past, right? Like never go back to those things. All he's saying is wise people would go back to their past, but wise people don't build houses there, right? Wise people don't go back to their past and say, this is a house, I'm going to live here, and I'm going to wait, and hopefully it becomes like it was again, you know, or hopefully I can get fixed what's never been fixed, and I'm going to keep living here and living here and living there and bringing it up and keep wondering or wishing that things could be different, right? So he just says, nothing wrong with going back and thinking through that, but inside of this story, he's saying, I know what's going on in your story, and yes, we have to go there, but we just can't camp out in it. Does that make sense? So I'm going to give you a couple scriptures where he talks about this. So in Luke 19, you know the story of Zacchaeus? So the story of Zacchaeus, he was a a tax collector. So he was a Jew, and he was a tax collector. And uh, Jewish tax collectors were hated by a lot of people, right? So the reason being is they collected all the taxes from the Jews. They gave them to the Roman government. And so not only did the Roman government get all of your money and they were poor— he was rich because he skimmed off the top. Like, that's how it works. So Zacchaeus was a Jew who made money off the Jews and gave it to the Roman government. Nobody liked Zacchaeus, but Zacchaeus, like so many people, must have had a moment in his life to say, I need to do something different. You know what I mean? Everybody have those moments before, like, I need to do something different. And he had heard that Jesus is coming and that Jesus can do something new in the lives of people right? That's what he's thinking, or otherwise he wouldn't be climbing up in the top of a tree, right? So Zacchaeus comes to this place, well, maybe God can do something new in me, even though my past, because who's going to ever love the tax collector? Like if you were a Jew, and your family was poor, and you've had to suffer for many, many, many years at the hands of Zacchaeus, right? So if you looked at, can I have a bright future? Do you think Zacchaeus was being like, oh yeah, man, it's going to be awesome, No, he wasn't thinking that way, but he did hear that there was a guy coming down the road that could do a new thing, right? That he could transform even what seems like you could never change into something that you couldn't ever believe. So he gets up in a tree, and in the tree, this is what happens. It says, when Jesus reached reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. 
He is going to be with the uh, going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. Some really important parts of the story, right? So Jesus is in here. Zacchaeus is like, Jesus can make all things new, and Jesus comes to his house to make all things new, right? And so Zacchaeus' response to Jesus showing up at his house was, I got a past, right? And my past is I've cheated a lot of people. I've screwed a lot of people out of money. And so his natural response to the salvation of the Lord was, I should probably address this and not ignore it, right? Now, in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, so Keyes brings this up. I'm going to give away half of my money, and I'm going to go back and give back money to everybody that I've cheated. You know what we don't hear Jesus say? Oh, don't worry about Zacchaeus. You're a new creation. Don't worry about anything that's happened in your past. He doesn't say that at all. You know why? Because Zacchaeus was in a story, and the story is ever-evolving. And as the story ever-evolves, your past is a part of the ever-evolving story, and you can't ignore it. Right? Something had to go on in the making all things new. It was working through the things that were old. Does that make sense? Right? Like he had to go through this and work through the story. But the key, and we're going to see it in the next scripture, he was not condemned for what he was done. This was just a response. And God said, yeah, let's just work through the story. Right? Because he came to him as a tax collector, not as somebody that had their life all fixed. Right? He had not come to the decision to give all of his money back. He just came to him and Jesus said, I'll give you what you need. The response of giving him what his needs was, I should probably go back and work through my past. Okay, same story. Do you remember the story of the woman at the well? So here's the story about the woman at the well. So a woman ends up at a well at noon. So if you know biblical history, a woman at a well at noon was not a good thing. This is why. Women gathered water together at the well in the morning. Right? And there was a couple reasons for that because it was cool and there were other people there to help you. So it was a communal thing. So all the women got up, they went and got their buckets, they went out to the well. Some people had bigger families than others, so they, they would help each other. So if you had a smaller family and somebody else had a bigger family, you were there. And the whole community helped, women-wise, helped each other get water back into the village. Unless you were not accepted by any of the women. So if you were not accepted by any of the women, guess what time you went and got water? Noon. So here is a woman that's been excluded from the community, and the reason that she's been excluded from the community, we're going to find out, is her past and her present. Right? She's been excluded. She goes out there. Jesus meets her, and listen to the words that he says. John 4, 13 through 18 says this, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this, this water so that I don't have to get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call, all, go call your husbands and come back. Her answer was, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right. <laughs> when you say that you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands, and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you, what you have just said is quite true, right? Now, another important point. Jesus went to the well to give salvation to the woman, 
regardless of her situation and regardless of her past. Like, that's important. That's important for you to know, and it's important for you that are judging other people to say that they have to get their life right before Jesus ever comes to them. Right? So if you're living that life that would say, well, once she finally doesn't have five husbands, and when she's not living with that one guy, then Jesus is finally going to accept them. You have the wrong theology. Jesus came to her while she was living with a man and had five husbands and had a past. Jesus isn't waiting to come to people till they get their life right. Jesus is coming to people who are open to get their life changed. And so if you're the one sitting over there judging people, saying it's because of your past or it's because of your present and you're never going to get things right or Jesus is never going to come to you till you get it fixed, Jesus blows that theology out of the water by meeting the woman at the well now but he says this is living water you can have it drink freely it's going to change your life and hey by the way you're in a story you know what your story is you've had five husbands and you now have a, a a man who's living with you so your dating life and married life hasn't went so well so we just got some work to do right? I'm not condemning you and not giving you salvation. I'm just telling you there's a story because your picking of men or whatever's been happening isn't working very well, and this isn't the way that God wants it to be. So inside of that story, he's saying, I'm going to come, and I'm going to deal with you and walk through your journey with you to help heal your past, but don't ever think that your identity changes because what your past was, because Jesus still saw her as a daughter of the king. Right? So he goes through and he works with us. So he says, we all have a past that you can't ignore. We just have to figure out what to do with it. Right? We all have a past that we're trying to fix. And, and, and we realize that. We just have to know how we're going to do it. Now that's where we're going to go next. So how do you take your past, whatever your past is, or whatever you're helping people work through their past, how do you deal with that? So I want to give you uh, an example of myself. So for me personally, one of the things that I recognized after Sherry died was is that um, you run to the things that make you the most comfortable and stay away from the things that make you the, you run to the things that make you the most comfortable and stay away from the things that make you the most uncomfortable. So you know what makes you the most uncomfortable as somebody who has lost a spouse? Coming home to an empty house right? So when you've lost a spouse who's been your best friend, you know, and, and being able to, to come home to them, like it's, you don't want to be there. So I, my answer to get out of the uncomfortable spot was to run away from what was uncomfortable and go to what was comfortable. So I'll just work a lot, you know, so I would just work a lot. And I would tell people this story, you know, of like, I'm just trying to stay away from it because I don't want to sit at home and alone. And you know what their answer always was? Well, you're not alone. Your kids are there. And I'm like, who wants to talk to your kids? You know, and I'm not saying it in a way like, I want to talk to my kids, but my kids are not my wife, right? Like, you're, they're not the same. Like, I want to talk to them, and I want to go down that journey with them, and I want to be a part of that, but it is different, right? You're still, even though people are in your house, it doesn't mean that you're not still alone. You hear me? Right? So you run to the places where you're going to find what's comfortable. And what you find, though, is, is that it's only comfortable for so long, and then the reality still sets in. Like you can only run for so long away from what's uncomfortable and never deal with it, because at some point you're going to have to deal with it. Right? Like that's what he says is that, and, and I don't know what yours is. Like I don't know what your 
you're comfortable and uncomfortable for or where you're running or what you're doing, but I want to give you some tools of how to heal your past. So there's going to be two things that we're going to look at. To heal your past, you have to do it in Christ and with people, right? So if you're going to heal your past, you're going to have to do it in Christ and you're going to have to do it with people. So here's what he says in the rest of, so we're going back to Isaiah now, so if you still had that open, we're going to go back to Isaiah, and we're going to pick up in verse 19, because he says, now I want to give you a picture of what does it look like to be able to move forward in Christ, right? This is what we're going to look at, like how do you move forward in Christ? So Isaiah gives us this imagery. So he says, see, so he's telling everybody that's reading this that I want you to see the imagery that he's trying to paint, right? So he's getting, he's going to give you this picture, and inside of this picture, he's going to help you realize how he's going to heal your past with the picture that he's getting ready to give you. So he says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it stirs up, and don't you perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me and the jackals and the owls because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself that they, that they may proclaim praise. So this isn't a literal picture. Like he's not saying like the thing that I need you to realize is, is you need to be walking in a desert and walk over to the stream and get water. He's painting this picture. Here's what you know. If you've had a broken past, no matter what anybody tells you or anybody says to try to help you, it's like you're in a wasteland, right? Like you can look around and people are gonna be like, time heals and this and that. And I'm like, it doesn't change. I'm sitting in a wasteland. It doesn't change the reality of every day that I wake up to. It doesn't change that what I perceive or what I see is a desert wasteland, and I don't care how many streams are out there, what I see today is a wasteland. And it doesn't matter, and I, I always tell people, it's nothing against what people say to you to help you work through the brokenness of your past because they're all well-meaning, but just so you know, if you've been there, you know what it's like, it's a wasteland. And when you're in that wasteland, you're like, I don't care how many streams there are, I'm still in the wasteland. So he gives you a picture, right? Like understanding that people who are broken or have a broken past are in this wasteland, but then he gives us this picture. So if you want to be healed in the midst of the wasteland, he gives us this picture of these streams. And these streams aren't so that like, hey, I'm hot in the desert and I didn't need a drink because I'm dry. The stream is a representation of what fixes what each one of us need fixed when it comes to healing our past. That stream represents the pathway to healing a broken path is with the nail-scarred hand of Jesus because only Jesus can give you what you need in the midst of a wasteland to heal you, right? That's what he's saying. The only thing that's gonna heal you, and this is what he's trying to give you the picture of, because this is what every person that's been in a past that's been broken that I think you have to land on. Jesus didn't come back to fix your past because he can't. There's no replacing. There's no fixing, right? You know what part of the reason you're in the wasteland is you come to reality, it'll never be fixed. Right? You can't bring kids back. You can't bring a wife back. You can't, you know what, you can't rebuild some of these things. They, 
there's no possible way, no matter what anybody says, this never gets fixed. So Jesus says, with me and the nail-scarred hand, we're going to go into this, not with the idea that somehow we're going to bring back your son or bring back your daughter or bring back your wife or bring back whatever it is that broke you. I'm going to go into this with this idea, the nail-scarred hand. Jesus is the pathway to healing and that he's the one through his living water that's going to give us what we need to not repair it, but to do a new thing because that's what he's trying to do. You see, so many times in our lives, if you've went through brokenness, you've been sitting in this place just trying to put the pieces of your life together and God's over here saying, I want to do a new thing in you. I want to do a new thing in you, but I can't do a new thing while you're over here trying to keep put the pieces back together. If you're going to keep trying to put the pieces back together of your life, God can't do a new thing, right? And so he tells us that, are you going to be okay with this? And I had to really process this, to be honest with you. You know, as I walk with him through the wasteland, which is my hurt, so I don't know what yours is, but when you walk through, I had to decide this, one, will he be enough? Because I know walking through this, he's not going to all of a sudden snap his fingers and my wife's going to be back. He's not going to snap his fingers and all of a sudden, you know, my kid's mom's going to be back. You know, and I had to decide as I'm walking through that wasteland, is it okay and is he enough? Right? Is he enough in the midst of my brokenness? And could it be that that's what's going to lead me into the new thing that he wants for my life? And is it possible? Think about this. Is it possible because I'm with the nail-scarred hand of Jesus that no matter how much I want this to be different, the new thing is going to be better. Could it be possible that that new thing isn't just to replace an old thing and to heal that wound, but to actually do something more beautiful than you could ever ask for or imagine? And he's trying to say, I want to do that beautiful thing in you, but you're too busy putting the pieces back together of something that will never be the same. So he says, in Christ, we need to be able to walk with him through that journey. And here's the thing that it does. Like if you've been through this, here's what you know. Sometimes it's hard to talk about your past. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to walk through the journey because when you walk through the journey, sometimes then the people that are talking to you be like, oh yeah, you're the guy who lost his wife. Or you're the guy who lost their child. Or you're the guy who you know, or you're the woman that, you know what I mean? Like you're identified by those things. So people look at you because you're talking and sometimes you just don't want to talk about it. Be like, because then it's like your identity and everybody you talk to is like, oh yeah, you're the one. You know, you're the one who got the divorce. You're the one whose kids are crazy. You're the one who lost their wife. You're the one who lost a child and you go through all those things. But you do have to talk about your past. But when you walk with the nail scarred hands through your path, through your past and you go on that new journey, here's what you can do. I can say, yes, I want to tell you, I did lose my wife, but my identity isn't the guy that lost his wife. My identity is I'm a son of the king. My past is not going to change my identity for my future, right? It is something that happened. And it was pretty significant that happened. But my identity moving into the future in which God has for me is not going to be tied to I'm the guy who lost his wife, right? My identity is going to be tied to I am a son or a daughter of the king who wants to do a new thing in me. 
right, who wants to, through him, change the trajectory of my life. And the only way that that's going to happen is because I'm doing it in him with this idea that this is never going to get fixed. But at the end of the day, I can talk about it. But the new thing that he's going to do is, is, is in Scripture's mind, that much better. Hard to realize, right? So in Christ is part of, here's the next one. It's not only is it in Christ, it's in community. So one of the things that you recognize, if you've ever tried to go through grief or your past being broken alone, go ahead and just say amen that it never works. No one, I'll say it for you. Amen, it never works. Right? If you want to try to do it by yourself, if you want to try to navigate yourself, if you want to let Satan speak into your mind, isolate yourself from everybody else. Right? Go to your own because you're afraid to share with anybody else where you're feeling and try to deal with it on your own and try to talk to yourself about it and try to fix it on your own. And in those places of isolation, you're going to allow the thoughts that come from Satan to run wild because it doesn't work alone. Right? It's in Christ, but it's also in community. And this is in Colossians. So Colossians 3, 16 gives us this picture of what it looks like to do life together in community as you go through your past. He says uh, in verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, so that again, being the in Christ, that's the message, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through songs, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So he says, in community, a couple things have to happen. So in that community, not only are you going to talk about your past, not only are you going to talk about the things that are going on, but you that are in community together will learn how to teach and admonish the people that you're in community with and not just listen to what they have to say. Everybody tracking with that? You know what I mean? Because you can listen, but you know sometimes when we're in those moments, we need people to show us what's true because what we believe today is false. Right, like I, I mean, what I had to work through is, is when I'm looking at this, and I'm in the Word of God a lot, and I'm looking at it, and I'm believing that the, it's impossibility that God could do something better than what I had. Right, like I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. I looked at this and I said, "There's, I don't care what could God could do in the future," because everybody play out the scenarios. Well, maybe it could be this, and maybe it could be that, and I'm like, "You can't tell me my mind and my heart." that there could be something better than what I had, right? Or that it could be better, you know, or the brokenness could be healed. But in community, people help me realize that, well, if you believe what Scripture says and God is in the future and not in your past, then it has to be better. If you believe that God is sovereign and over everything, you have to believe that it's going to be better. And although you might not see it today, if you believe what Scripture says, the Scripture says He's in the future waiting to make you a new thing. And as long as you live in the past, you're not going to be able to experience it. Community is the way that helps you walk through that because alone all you see is like it can't get any better or it can't get any worse right inside of those things and in that this is what he tells us you know what's so cool about getting out of your past or being delivered from your past that's why he says at the end you should be singing a song because you know what we live in a world and I don't know if you know this or not but most people come to Jesus when they're broken not when they're not when they're whole so do you know what a broken world is looking for not more scriptural knowledge about the Bible. Do you know what a broken world is looking for? 
People are who are willing to admit that I'm broken, but I've been delivered, and God is real, and it's a song of deliverance, and I want you to know that regardless of what's happened in my past, God is bigger than my past, and he is in my future, and this world needs to know that we serve a living God, and we're going to sing a song of deliverance, and that's why I've always said, you know what, I have no problem telling people when I stand up in front of the stage, like, I'm a screw-up, I'm a mess-up, like, this has been my life. I'm going to say it, you know why? Because I serve a Lord who is about delivering people from their past, not identifying identifying them by their past, bringing them out of those things so God can get the glory in the midst of our deliverance. A hurting world is looking for delivered people, not a bunch of fakes, you know? Not a people that will put on this facade that life's all good and I got it all together and I don't need, like, I think the world's looking for, you know what, I'm broken. I don't know how to heal it. I don't know what's going on, but I do know this. If I do it with Christ and with people and I do these things, God delivers people and we who have been delivered need to sing a song of deliverance. Thank the Lord that he's living and that he's alive because your witness into this world is gonna change the world because that's what they're looking for. The world is looking for those types of people. Now, I wanna give you a little illustration that, so in unpacking my own uh, hurt. I had to like work through a lot of things. So the band's going to come back up. So I'm going to give you something that was very healing to me. So Travis, can you come up too? I need a volunteer. So in the process of all of this, uh, you can go ahead and get behind the table. And so in the process of my healing, okay. So we'll, Travis, we'll give you uh, the goal to get started with while okay. I'm talking. So. You have pretty calloused hands, so I don't think you need gloves, but <laughs> Nichelle was just thinking, like, somebody who comes up that might be soft might yeah, cut no, their hands, so no you don't need them. Yeah. So this vase is those pieces, okay? So while I'm talking, your challenge, or what we want you to do, is put that vase back together, these pieces, and make it into this vase, okay? okay. And so we figured out we didn't have the top cut off the super glue in the first okay. service, so the glue is now cut off the top. So you can be putting the pieces back together like when I'm talking, and we'll keep checking in with you. Okay. All right, you good? I guess so. Okay. Here we go. So this is the personal story for me. So the personal story was for me, and I shared this from the beginning, I felt like I had a perfect life, right? So if you would have asked me, like, how is your life going? I would have said, it's been, it's incredible. Like, we're at a place in life that, that I never thought we would get to, and we're experiencing life in ways that we never thought we would experience them, and we're being able to do things that we never thought we'd be able to do, and God is using both of us in ministry. Sherry and I were ministry partners, and we're reaching lots of people, and she has a women's group that's growing, and I have a men's group that's growing, and the church is going, and everything is going incredibly well, right? And then God decides to take this and shatter it into pieces, right? Like shatter it into pieces. And, you know, part of the problem for me when the beginning was, I'm looking at this, I'm saying, why would you ever shatter this? It was so good, right? Like, what were you doing? We're reaching people. Good things are going on. Like, why would you ever shatter something into pieces that was going the right way? And so I just kept thinking, you know what? I want that back. Like, I want that back. I want that life back. Selfishly, I don't want anything else. I had everything I desired and everything that I wanted. And so you know what I did? I tried to put the pieces back together. So I was in the wasteland, and I'm like, 
if I could just make this vase again, like I know it's not going to look the same, but I mean, if I could just put this back together and, and people would tell me this, just so you know, God's going to put the pieces of your life back together. And so I'm listening to him and I'm trying to put them back together and I'm in this wasteland and I kept looking at it and I'm like, like, how's it going? I mean, anybody ever feel like this? You know what I mean? Like, you're sitting here in the wasteland trying to recreate and recreate, and you're doing it over and over and over again, and you just keep getting frustrated, and people keep telling you, oh, it's just going to take time. Time heals everything. The pieces will come back together, but you're going to get the vase again. And you know what I realized about the past? You can't fix it. I can't ever have that again. Never. Everything that I thought I always wanted, I can never have that. And as Travis is putting back together, this is the story of life, right? Like this is what people are trying to do. And even rightfully so, people are trying to just tell you, just keep working, just keep working. If you put it back together, it might not resemble what the vase looked like but you'll get it back together. There might be some cracks and it might be, you know, a little bit wobbled, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's what you want, then work on putting it together. But you know what? That's not what Jesus says. You know, Jesus isn't telling you, put that back together. You know why he's not telling you that? Because here's what he knows. You'll never have that again. You know how hard that is? You know how hard it is that somebody just went through a broken piece of their life saying you're never gonna have what you thought you needed? But here's what he says. So especially when we look at our lives and we look at pieces, like this looks like you could possibly put it back together, but as Travis saw, you got about as far as Brad, you know. Oh, you, yeah, you, I was going to say, yeah, you got a little glue on there. But it's not only that it's pieces, it's actually dust. When your life can't be repaired, here's what you're looking at. Not pieces that could ever be glued back together, but dust. But you know what the beauty of recognizing that your life is dust is that when you add water to dust, living water of Jesus Christ, the stream, and you mix that together, and although it doesn't make sense to you, and you don't know what's gonna work, but you just know that you need this water, you know what happens when you add living water to the dust of your life? You get clay. And here's the thing. That doesn't look like that, right? But here's what it tells each one of us. But the beauty of being in God's hands and the beauty of being a lump of clay and not wanting a finished vase is that he can make you into a new thing and a new creation. And that if we believe what scripture says, the beauty of what he's going to do with this, although you can't see this right now, will be more beautiful than that. And that was healing for me. Thanks, Travis. Thank you. You know what was healing for me? Because I never thought this was possible. I never thought that it would be possible that God could mold me and whatever my future is to something more beautiful than what I had in the past. And what finally healed part of my heart, like I'm still working through this, but you know what healed part of my heart is? This is a better place to be, even though it looks like nothing, than being on the squirrel wheel or the hamster wheel of trying to put my life back together.
because even in the short amount of time that I tried to do that, it doesn't work. And I was frustrated and I felt alone and I thought there could never be a future and I wondered if I could ever be used and I wondered if it could ever be the same and God said, just add the water and be the clay and what I'm going to make out of you will be far more beautiful. You don't see it today, but it'll be far more beautiful than anything that you could have ever asked for or imagined. Will you stand so I can pray for you? Suddenly, Father, we just come to you, Lord, and recognizing that um, at times our past and the, the inability to get past it keeps us from being able to see what you have for the future. So I pray today that as we're singing this last song, that we will process, one, in our own lives, how we can work through this and add the water and put ourselves in a position to, for you to mold us and trust that whatever you're going to make us into is more beautiful than we could ever think that think about or maybe if that's not you can you help somebody else in that process to add the water to be formed in the way that God wants them to be formed because most of all God we want to be in your hands and we know that there's no better place to be and not just in your hands but as a piece of clay ready to be formed into what you want for our life Lord we love you in your name we pray amen
So here's my challenge. So if you find yourself here trying to put your life back together, will you today let the nail-scarred hand lead you away from this and into this? Will you come to a place where you will decide, as much as I want that back, there's no better place than I would rather be than in the hands of the one who can transform my future, or the ones that can give me the things that I need. Will you make that decision today? Will you help other people make that decision? Because God is waiting, and I know it's so hard to think of this ever being anything, but just so you know, it'll be far beautiful than, than anything that you could try to put back together. So thanks for being here with us this week. Thanks for joining us online, and we'll see you guys again next week. Don't forget, on the way out, we have bookmarks that you can keep to help remind you of the Amplified series um, and allow you to, to, to be reminded of those things. So get them on the way out. Thanks for coming.